Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. All right, well, we are kicking off our relationship series. All right, how many of us are in some type of relationship? <laughs> okay, the rest, that should be everybody's hand. <laughs> Whether you have a sibling, a parent, in a marriage, some type of relationship. You see, the family unit is one of the most important structures that builds healthy, wise, and godly children. And we believe that every home has the voice of a mother and a father. And when husbands and wives are united in their kingdom purpose, it provides an atmosphere for their children to thrive. Children feel anchored and safe in that atmosphere of faith. And it, in turn, creates bold kids. Come on, who wants some bold sons and daughters in this place? So sadly, the world does not see the family unit this way. They see marriage as a constant struggle, an inconvenience, or a burden. I, I ran into this older woman, not from our church, but she was from the world. <laughs> She, I asked her, I said, how long have you been married? And she said, oh, 30 years. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Congratulations. And she scoffed and she was like, oh, you know, it's marriage. You know how it is. And I was so sad at her response because sadly that is how the world is viewing marriage right now that it is an inconvenience, that it's better to have your independence. But no, in this house, we champion marriage. We champion husbands and wives. And in this house, I've seen so many marriages restored and united marriages that were on the rocks. And now they are strong, thriving, serving in the house of God together. And not only do we have the attack on marriage being only between a man and a woman, which, yes, that is from the Bible. Come on, amen. But then we also have the pulls of business and the pulls of ministry that many people get trapped in. They spend all their time on their business, you know, working, hustling, beast mode on. I think that was from Dr. Matt, which we love the Hubbards. <laughs> He used to have his alarm clock say, beast mode, on, every morning. <laughs> and we love business. We, my husband and I, we love business. But there have been those seasons and there's been those, those people that I've seen that, that they pour all of their lives into their business. Then when they get home, they give, yep, they're checked out. They give them their leftovers. The leftovers go to the family. And same same with ministry. I've seen this with ministers, and we've gone through seasons of this as well, where they spend all their time ministering and pouring out and meeting with church people day in, day out, and then they get home, and they're exhausted. 
They have nothing left in their tank to give their spouse or to give their children. One of my favorite, favorite quotes from Mother Teresa, she said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Love your family. Come on. So our first ministry is to our marriage and to our children. Our marriage and our children, that is our first ministry. And listen, this is not just a message about marriage. It's not just about families, but any relationship. So friendships, anything. So even if I say marriage, you can switch the context in your head. (laughs) Okay. And I want to take a quick moment to just honor my husband. Yes. But he, you are incredible, baby. He works so hard. He is so talented in his business. He's so talented and successful. And he is also one of the most incredible pastors that I have ever known. And yet, you pour out all day to people, to business, and then you come home, and he always gives me a kiss first, then he kisses the kids, (laughs) then he goes and he wrestles with our son, and he paints our daughter's fingernails. (laughs) He's very involved. He, He doesn't just save the leftovers for us. He makes sure that we have a date night every week. He is incredible, so I honor you tonight. You're amazing. Yes. So tonight, I believe that God is going to restore relationships, restore marriages, restore families, restore lost children back to their parents. Those, those um, broken families, I believe that God is going to unite tonight. So the title of my message, A Family United, A Family United. And I want to take a look at the story. All right, I like that. I always like turning around, <laughs> seeing what they did. Looking good. I want to take a look at the story of the prodigal son. And often, this is viewed through the context of the lost coming back to the heavenly father. But I also want us to view it tonight through the context of relationships, of earthly relationships. So I am going to jump through this quickly. We'll read a little bit of it. So come on, hang tight. You guys good? (laughs) All right, so this is in Luke 15. It says, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And the younger son gathered all his things, journeyed to a far country, and wasted his possessions. Great job. Great job. (laughs) But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, 
How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. All right, so verse 20. I think you guys can catch up with me here. (laughs) So he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, I love this part, when he was far, far back, but his father could spot him. His father saw him and had compassion, and he ran, and he fell on his neck and kissed him. Such an incredible moment when the father saw his son. I want to pull a few points from this story. The first one, the father was proactive rather than reactive. The father didn't wait for his son to come to him. He didn't just stand there and say, okay, he deserves to run to me. No, the father ran to him. He was proactive. The father set the example for his son, not by his words, but by his actions. He showed him his compassion, and he showed him his love by going first. If the father were to have been reactionary, so imagine it the other way. He's not proactive, but he's reactionary. There would have been a different message that was sent to the son. He would have thought, you know, that's the one. He's the one that messed up. He can come to me and apologize. Or he deserves the harm that happened to him. But instead, he runs to his son. And you think of reactive people. We are, this world today is full of people that react with their emotions to one-off events. They just react. They let their circumstances control them. So if the weather's bad and they're in a bad mood, (laughs) and yes, I've been there. I'm preaching to myself, too. (laughs) I'm still getting used to the weather here, I'll be honest. (laughs) It's awesome. My husband loves snow. I Yes, I'm getting on that boat. (laughs) But these reactive people, when they get negative feedback, then they become bitter and defensive. There were many times in our first year of marriage that I was reactionary. I will admit, anybody else, anyone else in here, or even if you're not married, you know, to your parents, to your friends. There's one story in particular that will always stick out to me. So I was just relaxing on the couch, and my husband comes home, and he says, what are we having for dinner? And I just look at him, and I said, oh, I am not even hungry at all. I have not thought about it. And he, just plain as day, no, no tone up or down in his voice, just looks at me and says, it's not just you anymore. <laughs> and I, I was very reactionary. I stood up and stomped across the room and grabbed the keys in a very dramatic way, stomped over to the door, and he's like, where are you going? 
to the grocery store to get food for you to make you a meal. Yes. It was, those days were lovely. You know, you go from being independent. You know, I was 26, he was 30 when we got married. You're used to independence. And then it's not just us anymore, right? It's a good thing, people. That's how God designed it, that we would put others' interests before our own interests. That's a verse in the Bible somewhere. There's more to the story. You can hear from him later. I don't remember how it ended. (laughs) All right. So moving on to... To the next point. Okay, the father embraces his son before the son apologizes. Before he apologizes, he embraces him. Be quick to forgive. All the father cared about was that his lost son was home. In Proverbs 17, 9, it says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. So we cannot, myself included, dwell on faults. In our marriage, in our relationships, be the first. Be the first one to apologize. The first one to forgive. The first one to give an embrace. And the first one to serve your spouse. Moving on to the story in verse 21, it says, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. All right, so the next point, the son felt unworthiness. Unworthiness. You think about unworthiness, it makes us shrink back. It makes us forget who we are. It makes us forget our identity, forget that we're a son and daughter of Christ. And yes, we frequently need to forgive our spouse, (laughs) right? Maybe 70 times 7 or one of those numbers. But more importantly, we need to also forgive ourselves. Forgive ourselves. Sometimes that's the hardest person to forgive is ourselves. You know, we're always dwelling on the past, thinking about our faults, and we live in the past. Now, that's why God gave us eyes in the front of our heads, so that we are not dwelling on the past, that we're looking to the future, that we're living in the present. We're looking to the future. Our Heavenly Father sees us as forgiven, accepted, adopted, as his son or daughter. And we need to release forgiveness to ourselves. Release forgiveness. When we forgive ourselves, that is what shifts marriages. That is what shifts our relationships with our kids, with our friends, with our extended family members. Moving on to verse 22. Come on, you guys doing good? I like asking that, like reactions. (laughs) So verse 22, the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. 
and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So the next point, the father showed his son that he was for him. That he was for him. He brought out the best for him. A robe, a signet ring, which is a symbol of a family heritage. He's telling him by those things, you're my family. You're my son. No matter what you did, no matter what you took from me, you are my son. He put sandals on his feet. He brought him the fatted calf. And the father, in doing these things for his son, showed that they were family first and foremost. They were united. They were aligned. The past didn't matter. His son's actions didn't matter, but they were aligned. And one of the most important things in marriage is to be for each other. To be for each other, to be each, other, to be each other's cheerleaders. I remember Andy would always say that, I want you to be my cheerleader. I'm like, well, I never was a cheerleader, okay? I don't know what that looks like. But he wants a cheerleader. Guys, do you want a cheerleaders? A few of you, a few of you. But in a marriage, you are on the same team. You're on the same team. If we can think in the big picture of things, think big picture. It helps when we're in the middle of the fire. The big picture helps. I remember there was a moment where I was just overwhelmed by toddlerhood. (laughs) I have two toddlers, two and four, and just day in and day out, I was like, God, I need a big picture. I need a vision, a verse, something. (laughs) Just give me something for these moments with my kids. And I remember so clearly that he showed me a vision of my son and my daughter as adults on a stage preaching the word of God. And I saw them so clearly, so clearly preaching. So in those moments where it gets tough, in those moments, I hold on to that. I hold on to that vision, knowing, okay, this is why I'm a parent. This is the context of what I'm raising them in, raising them in a house of faith, raising them in an environment that is loving and encouraging and constantly speaking life over them so that they can step into the ways of God, so that they can step into their calling and their identity. So come on, big picture people. Let's be big picture people not stuck on the small things. So as the father, as he was for his son, he told his son they were on the same team, on the same team. I remember also when we were first married, I would always play defense. I felt like I needed to, you know, come up with something to give him back. And I, I remember, this reminds me of playing soccer as a kid. I remember I never wanted to play offense. I was like, I am not running that field. I will stay on defense. So I stayed on the defense, stayed back there. 
And whenever the opponents came, I was ready to stop them. I feel like a goal never got past me. I mean, maybe this was just my elementary self. Yes, this was elementary. <laughs> but I was good at defense. And I remember thinking in those moments, I don't need to play defense when we're on the same team. Our spouse, with our spouse, we are on the same team. So let's begin to shift mindsets. With our families, we are on the same team. The last point I want to talk about, <clears throat> the Father's sight and vision was in alignment with the Heavenly Father's sight and vision. So when the Father saw the Son, he saw him with the eyes of God. He saw him as redeemed, accepted, loved, valuable. So how do we see our spouse? How do we see our family members? And tonight, I believe that God wants us to come into alignment with how he views those relationships, how he views those people, to come into alignment. There was a defining moment in our marriage where I remember thinking, this is where I felt fully aligned with Andy and aligned with the word of God. And many of you know this story about our son. Um, but when he was five days old, he began having seizures and strokes. And I remember when the doctor came in and he told about the strokes, it was one of those breaking moments for me. And I remember looking at Andy and saying, I cannot do this. I can't do this. And in that moment, he pulled me up He looked me in the eyes and said, God is for our son and God has got our son. He aligned me back to the word of God, aligned me with the Holy Spirit, aligned me with heaven. And that is what is so beautiful about marriage is when one person falls, the other person picks them up pulls them up to where they're meant to be in faith. And so through the rest of that journey that we walked out with Oliver, we knew where we stood. When they said, you need to start putting, doing all these tests. You need to start doing the government programs to see, you know, when he's crawling, is his back leg sliding? Is something off? They wanted to constantly look for things that were off. And for a moment, I remember Andy said, should we do that? And that was a moment for me to pull him up and remind him of our vision, remind him and a lot that we are in alignment with the word of God. And I said, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that because we know what God calls him, that God calls him healed, that God calls him restored. And yes, he is restored. He is healed. He's been fully healed since he was only a couple months old. Listen, God is a God of restoration, the God of miracles. And tonight I want us to stir up our faith to remember that there's no relationship that is too far gone. 
There is nothing that God can't heal. Nothing that God can't come in and completely shift and turn around. You know, I had a friend who was pregnant and she went in at a couple weeks or she was a couple months and they said, we can't find a heartbeat. We can't find a heartbeat. I'm so sorry, but we lost your baby. And she came to church that Sunday and I remember, you know, she had tears streaming down her face, but yet she told me, I know my baby is okay. I know my baby is okay. And she had faith. And so we prayed with her. We believed with her. And then a couple weeks later, she went back in. And they were surprised. Why are you back here? And she wanted them to do another test. And so they did. And they found the heartbeat. They found a heartbeat. Because God makes all things possible. He makes all things possible. There's a song that I love. It's called, There's Nothing That Our God Can't Do. It says, there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that he can't move. There's nothing that he can't do. And I'm going to add to it, there's no relationship that God can't move. There's no marriage that God can't move in. There's no child that is too far gone that God is going to make a way for you tonight in your relationships. In Romans 4.17, it says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And this is in reference to Abraham when he was 100 and Sarah was 90. And they were asking God for a child. They wanted a child. They had a specific request. They knew exactly what they were believing for. And age didn't matter. Their circumstances didn't matter. But God made a way. So tonight, I want us to take that principle of calling things that are not as though they are. Things that are not as though they are. Can we just all stand in this place tonight? I want us to begin to call things into life, to call things into existence. I want you to first see it, to get a clear picture of what you're believing for. Just open up your hands to heaven. Begin to envision you holding that baby in your arms. Begin to see you with your spouse in church, holding hands, worshiping God. Begin to see that lost child coming back to your family. Begin to envision it. What does that look like? And then we want to call those things to life. Call those things into being. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, that you are restoring hearts right now. 
God, that you're going to mend relationships, that you are already beginning to soften hearts, to soften hearts, God, to strengthen relationships tonight. I want to pray over three different areas. The first area is marriage. If you're married, just grab your spouse's hand. (laughs) Andy tried to grab my hand. Sorry, later. (laughs) So come on, just hold your spouse's hand. God, I thank you for every marriage in this room. I thank you, God, for strength over them. I thank you, Jesus, that you are with them. God, that you are going to show them how you see them. God, you're going to show them how you see their spouse. God, that they're going to have new eyes. God, fresh love, a fresh peace over their marriage that transcends all understanding. The word the devil has tried to bring division. God, we cancel that right now in Jesus' name. And God, I declare unity, unity over husbands and wives, unity over them. In Jesus' name, God, I silence every lie from the devil. Every lie that says they are unworthy, God, where they are looking to the past, God, I pray that you would shift mindsets, shift their eyes forward, that you would shift their eyes looking forward to the future, God, that you have for them, that their greatest days in their marriages are ahead. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And now I want to pray for families. For families. Just lift your hands high to heaven in this place. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, for families in this house. God, families of Salt Lake City. God, family members who are near and far. God, we call upon your name. I thank you that you are the God of miracles and that nothing is impossible with you, Jesus. God, we envision our family coming back together. God, lost sons and daughters coming back home. God, where there was once division, we declare unity in Jesus' name. We declare strength over families, God. God, I thank you for laughter in families, for joy coming back to families, God, that you are reminding us, God, of the power of families. God, when families are united in Christ, God, that nothing can come against them. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you are for us, that you are for our families that you are for us, God, that you are fighting on our behalf. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, God. And if you are in this place and you are believing for a miracle baby, I want you to lift your hands high up to heaven. We're gonna pray with you. We're gonna believe with you. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, that you are bringing babies this year. In Jesus' name, God, where the devil has tried to creep in with fear and doubt, 
we silence that in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, I release heaven right now. We release a wave of new babies coming in 2023. God, that there is a fresh wave of new life, of new babies in Jesus' name. God, that they will be healthy, that they will be whole, that they will be developed perfectly in the mighty name of Jesus. The God, that you are going to do a miraculous work in families, a miraculous work in Jesus' name. God, we praise you in advance for these testimonies that are coming in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's all lift our hands high to heaven. God, we praise you for relationships, that you are the God of relationships. God, that you have called us to not live alone, that you have called us to live in community. God, I pray for strength over every person here. God, strength over communities. God, strength over friendships. God, that we would be so united in Christ. God, united in our purpose, united and aligned with the Word of God, that we would see a mighty move of God this year in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.